So hello everyone, welcome to another session of our United Through Heritage National Conference virtual series. Today, uh, we are talking about something that I can't remember we've ever talked about in the community, which is um, the role and how, uh, and the evolution of uh, Portuguese professional associations. And we have a stellar panel for you today. Uh, Luis Gonçalves from the American Association of Teachers of Portuguese. Dr. Carlos Pavão, um, uh, in the, who is starting the Luso Health Network. Rodrigo Carvalho from the Portugal-US Chamber of Commerce. Jason Fragoso, the president of the Portuguese American Bar Association. And Carolina Jandeiro, a co-founder of the Portuguese American Women's Empowerment Alliance. Before we get started, we just want to recognize uh, those that have made this series possible. So thank you to FLAD for their continued support of uh, PALCAS and our, uh, our initiatives. Levar os portugueses mais longe. Ser uma ponte entre Portugal e os Estados Unidos da América. Esta é a missão da Fundação Luso-Americana para o Desenvolvimento. A FLAD nasceu em 1985 na sequência do Acordo das Lages e por aqui passaram até hoje milhares de pessoas e ideias que ajudámos a transformar em realidade. Promovemos a partilha de conhecimento e experiências através de bolsas de estudo, estágios, prémios e conferências unindo os dois lados do Atlântico. Trabalhamos diretamente com a comunidade portuguesa nos Estados Unidos. Queremos contribuir para que o papel dos luso-americanos seja cada vez mais forte e para que as origens portuguesas sejam continuamente celebradas. Nesta ligação atlântica surgem, claro, os Açores. Pela sua importância geoestratégica de segurança e defesa, científica e cultural, são um ponto essencial na atividade da FLAD. Somos ciência, educação, arte e relações transatlânticas. Há 36 anos a contribuir para o desenvolvimento de Portugal e dos portugueses. We also want to thank our sponsor, Le Curbeirão, and we have a cocktail session coming up with them uh, in a few weeks, so be sure to keep an eye out for that. Thank you to Portugalia Marketplace. Portuguese Mecca, as I like to call them. And also thank you to UMass Lowell, Anchor Construction, Atlantis Agency, The Navigator Company, and MDVIP. Um, I will ask that if you find these sessions valuable and you like the work that Palkus is doing, please become a member today. It's very affordable. It's 50 bucks uh, for, uh, per year. Um, so less than a cup of coffee a day for a month. Uh, so we ask that you show us your support, and that way all of these sessions can continue to remain free for everybody. And with that, we're going to get started. So <clears throat> the purpose of today's panel is really to discuss, you know, we've had lots of uh, uh, social clubs and even academic clubs, Holy Ghost clubs, soccer clubs. So there's a lot of clubs and organizations in the community, but something that hasn't been very prevalent, you know, there's been a few in, in throughout the history, but not, not a lot, are professional organizations. For, for example, there's no, you know, Portuguese Association of Marketers or Portuguese Association of Doctors or things like that, right? But now we're starting to see more of them. And so that's what we're here to discuss today and, and why having those kinds of organizations are important. So we'll start with just having each of our panelists introduce themselves and their organization and how long they have been around. Um, and we have the gamut from been around for many, many years to just starting, which is great. Uh, so we'll start with um, Luis, because I think you're, you 
or leading one of the oldest organizations between you and Rodrigo. I'm not sure which one is older, but if you could kick us off. That'd be great, Luis. Well, Angela, first of all, thank you so much for organizing this panel and for uh, inviting me to, to participate. This is great. It's so nice and, and refreshing to see the Porsche's community with so much energy and, and this kind of dynamics taking advantage of the new uh, technology and information, tech, uh, communication and information technologies available to do this. Um, I'm here because I'm the president of the American organization, the Teachers of Portuguese, that started in 2007. It is a professional organization or, or an organization for the profession of teaching Portuguese in the United States. Um, our organization uh, works to, to better the work of these professionals, to have a major impact in the quality of the classes and uh, of the work done with students, both uh, heritage speakers in our community schools, all the way through secondary and high school in uh, uh, higher education. Um, we, in these 15 years, we've done a, a lot, I think, for what I, I you, you said, we were one of the oldest organizations. I still find us to be very in our teenage years, <laughs> uh, still figuring out what else can we do. And um, so we have a, a, a publication for the profession the Portuguese language journal, because I think it's extremely important that our members, our instructors have access to what has been researched, the most updated research possible, the most updated resources possible, the most updated best practices. We have the uh, MAP, the Encontro Mundial Sobre Ensino Português, our world conference uh, on the teaching of Portuguese. It's the only one in the United States that focuses exclusively on the teaching of Portuguese. There are other conferences on history, on economics, on literature and culture, but this one is uh, uh, about language acquisition and the second language methodology. And it's extremely exciting. It brings together people from all over the world. We've had participation of over like 40 countries. And it's very interesting to see and to learn from the instructors that are teaching in other contexts and see what has worked for them. Uh, when we have trouble, when there are difficulties or obstacles, what has worked to, to, to uh, surpass that. And I know that you guys had a panel about how to start a program. That's fantastic. That's exactly one of the things that we need to start uh, um, uh, discussing because it is possible, especially where the Portuguese community is present, it is possible to use uh, uh, that presence to, to do a lot of things. And uh, the rest, we do a lot of uh, uh, competition, grants, about best practices and resources that are designed to raise the profile of the Portuguese programs within the institutions where they are, because one of the things that we all struggle with is recruitment of students. So if we can raise the profile, we'll be a lot more um, effective. So the OATP fosters kind of an international dialogue on the teaching of Portuguese. We have a lot of uh, students that are Spanish speakers, so we speak to colleagues from Argentina and Spain and Mexico. What do you do? How do you get them to speak as fast as possible? Uh, we have English speakers, so we talk a lot with our colleagues in Canada and in England. Uh, what do you do to make English speakers? What's the best practice for English speakers to learn? And we all learn from each other, uh, kind of um, uh, sharing our knowledge and uh, the accumulated, uh, accumulated knowledge that we have been gaining. And uh, I, I, since you started the, the panel by thanking the people that have helped you, I cannot but thank Vlad, who uh, four years ago 
using this platform, Zoom, uh, funded uh, a, ten, a 10 webinar series for uh, in, uh, Portuguese instructors way before COVID, way before the pandemics. We were using Zoom and it was through the uh, support of FLAT that we really, really want to thank and, and, and uh, put out there that they are uh, a force behind programs of Portuguese language that we can tap into and use to help us in our in, uh, in what we've been doing. Excellent. Thank you, Luis. Rodrigo. Hi, everyone, and, and thank you, Pakush, for organizing. Um, this terrific series of events and, and panels and, 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 and inviting the, the Chamber of Commerce that is going to be present in, in other panels as well. Uh, I must reclaim uh, the title of the oldest um, professional organizations because the, the Chamber was actually founded in 1979. I think the reason, Angela, perhaps why you you were hesitant about the date, of course, you don't need to know our, our, <laughs> our founding date, but it's because the Chamber has been having certain cycles uh, throughout time, um, which I think in a way reflect um, amongst other things, um, the presence that has been in and out of Portuguese companies and Portuguese investment and presence from the economic and, and, and corporate standpoint in the US. And there were moments in which we had several banks here and therefore they were the, the main drivers uh, of the chamber. Uh, typically <laughs> there's a, there's a I've, I've lived abroad in other countries and, and I actually founded another Chamber of Commerce in this time, a Portuguese Chamber of Commerce in Poland. And, uh, and banks normally are, are very connected to Chamber of Commerce for obvious reasons, because it's, it's, you know, it's a synergy. But, but anyway, um, yes, the Chamber um, was founded in 1979, has currently 120 members both corporate between corporate corporations and, and individual members um the main the main mission is to stimulate trade investment and economic relations between the united states and portugal um and and of course to achieve that uh we need to intensely cooperate with other organizations one of them has been mentioned already flav pacus is another great example and of course uh the portuguese government namely through icep which with which we we work very closely with um and 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 you know uh, the way we do it is mostly through networking events sometimes we do it just around drinks sometimes we do it uh, organizing a panel of specialists to talk about a certain topic uh, always trying to give uh, the highlights to Portuguese related people or topics. I, I do remember that a couple of years ago we did an event about beer just because uh, we have we have two uh, very senior uh, executives in the beer industry in the US that are from Portugal and, and so uh, it, I, I thought the discussion was very interesting. Another way we do it is of course we offer our platform to for each member to promote their services, their company, um, their news. Uh, we created something called Member Spotlight in which once a month uh, we give the, the floor to one member and, and they share their, their videos uh, if they want or, or in any format they want, they promote their companies. Um, we do organize also numerous uh, panels and actually uh, Zoom was, was a, big, a big hit and it, it has been intensely used by the chamber to organize virtual events 
we did several from just wine tasting to very interesting discussions about tax, uh, for example, for companies in Portugal that are thinking or are in the process of uh, establishing themselves in the US, all the cross-border tax, uh, tax aspects that, that they have to think about. Um, we, uh, more sporadically, but we sometimes or whenever we can and we are requested to, we try to connect uh, companies uh, from Portugal with other companies here or investors, uh, financial institutions, uh, funds, uh, hedge funds, uh, private equities. We have done that to, to several companies and we have done that also for, for the Portuguese government. In, in several occasions, we have uh, organized roadshows for the, for the Ministry of Economy to basically sell Portugal, the Portuguese economy, mm -hmm. the advantages of investing in Portugal to US investors that happened several times uh, in the past and, and hopefully will continue in the future. And th that has been done, of course, in coordination with ISAP. Um, and lastly, uh, we also have uh, an anchor event, which is the gala, which we organize once a year in, in which um, amongst other things, we honor uh, members and Portuguese companies that, that have excelled in the US um, and, and so we, we like to give them the highlight too. And normally there's the presence of, of, we have had the prime minister, we have had the Ministry of Economy, the Ministry of Finance, whoever travels to the US around those dates, uh, we also have them speaking to a broader audience about Portugal and the Portuguese economy. Great, thank you so much, Rodrigo. And uh, I will just say that we, uh, Palkas has very much enjoyed working with the chamber these last couple of years. We've had quite a bit of collaboration and it's really been wonderful. So thank you. Um, Jason, let's have you go. Thank you, Angela. Thank you, Palkas, for hosting. Thank you to my fellow panelists and for everyone who's uh, tuning in. Uh, my name is Jason Fergoso, as mentioned. I am the uh, president of the Portuguese American Bar Association. We, our, our genesis is, is linked with forever with uh, Palkus, um, spawning from, I believe it was the, um, the inaugural Portuguese American Conference and, and then later the Lusitanian Forum. So Palkus uh, helped support us and, and it really was, was the, the forum in which a lot of the Portuguese attorneys who were in attendance of the conference realized that we had a common goal, which is to um, not only uh, advance Portuguese American attorneys, but advance uh, Portuguese Americans through the law and build bridges to our counterparts in Portugal. Um, so our Portuguese uh, attorneys that are, that are in Portugal and abroad um, and, and we're really creating a community there because there are Portuguese American bar associations in the various states. So there are state communities of, of Portuguese attorneys, but I don't think that there was a national one of this kind. So we have fully formed, we are probably among the, the newer organizations on, that I'm representing on this panel in that we have only recently formed um, officially as an organization. And uh, we are just now about to launch some of our first uh, both educational and uh, social events through Zoom now because of, I think which Zoom was mentioned before um, as an alternative uh, communication and, and meeting platform now that we have the pandemic, but it, it likely was going to be uh, one of the, 
technologies that we would have leveraged irrespective of the pandemic, just because of the disparate location of our members we have. I am physically located in Connecticut, although my office is in Washington, and so I do commute, but there are our members here, they're members on, on, the, on the West Coast, and, um, and we have members in, in Portugal as well. So, so this is what, what is really connecting us, especially in the beginning, uh, as we're mounting the organization, getting some funds and, and hoping you know, to soon have, a, have a, a, another physical um, meeting once things, um, once things change uh, for, for us where, where those things are, are, are more common. Um, as far as our past, we, we, don't, we don't have that past, but, but we have done a lot of the um, similar, similar um, tasks that, that the local uh, Portuguese clubs and, and, um, and, and Portuguese cultural centers would have done, just myself being involved, having worked on bylaws with, and, and taken um, input from the community members to then adjust those bylaws and adjust the, the mission statement has has been just a, a common theme so doing that at the local level with with a gen, more general uh portuguese cultural center and then doing it through here has been has been a a, a similar experience um but we are going to have a focus uh not only for as i mentioned not only for portuguese attorneys and port and portuguese american attorneys advancing those um folks in those roles but also advancing the, the Portuguese community through the law and through providing uh, mentorship and, and, and we're going to provide um, opportunities uh, for other Portuguese Americans and Portuguese looking to either involve themselves in the law, uh, judicial appointments, um, government, and, uh, and also looking to have connections because it's very, very important. I know myself, I was very lucky coming in into a state and, and having already connections with other Portuguese attorneys, but I, I have spoken and know of others who don't have that connection. It's important mm -hmm. to see somebody who's like yourself, you know, in that role. So I think that that's, that's a platform that we have and, and we're excited about being at the beginning of something great. Um, and, and we have a lot of members who have contributed or are part of our, our leadership and are, are part of our committees and are very, very active in, in advancing our, our organization. So I hope the next panel that we have, I'm gonna be able to tell you about all of the other things that we've actually done and, uh, and accomplished and, and those results. But that's- Absolutely. Absolutely, we look forward to that. And, and you brought up something important that I think we can discuss on today is um, the mentorship aspect and you know, uh, you know, really helping that the next generation come up. And Rodrigo, you mentioned something too that's really important, which is networking. Um, so again, we have a lot of social clubs, but networking is very different. And I think we need to do more of that. Um, and I think it's a great transition to Carolina because she's an expert when it comes to networking. Uh, but Carolina, can you tell us about Pauea? Yes, Pauea. So we're young too. We were just formed uh, last year. And uh, we were founded by three like-minded women, all right? <laughs> um, Janet Muraj is the brain behind all this, um, Angela Simonj, and myself, okay? So we're from three completely different backgrounds and, uh, and three very different age groups and stuff. So I think it's awesome that 
our combination is really good. What we do, we're building a global network of trying to, um, of like-minded women and putting them and helping them get into leadership roles. And also uh, mentoring and uh, doing other things such as we have a scholarship fund, we do webinars, we're doing a walk for the cancer right now, a virtual walk where we've already raised over $3,900. We're doing this in conjunction with a, a foundation in Portugal. So we are reaching across the pond and we are trying to bring our know-how, our expertise and helping women really expand right in the Portuguese sector. Sometimes we haven't been recognized over the years for what we bring to the table and we do bring a lot to the table. And I really think that uh, COVID, I always say in some of the workshops I give is that it was good and it was bad. The good part is that a lot of new business has derived from it and a lot of awareness of what was lacking in some businesses and what was lacking in communities. But I think it's super important, the networking aspect. I just gave, uh, we do webinars every month. Uh, we have an upcoming one uh, with the breast cancer awareness with two doctors, one from the States and one from Portugal. I'll be moderating that panel. And then we also have done a networking one, which was done uh, a couple of weeks ago. I am very... Um, I love networks. I've worked networks for 30 plus years and uh, connections are and building relationships is something we really try to teach these women um, on how um, it's starting even in your, in your earlier years of high school. I think it's super important that you learn how to build relationships because those relationships will take you so far. I mean, they really will if you, uh, if you nurture them. So this is part of what we're doing. And um, it's, uh, we're reaching out across the globe. There's nine countries that speak Portuguese and we're, we're looking at those women in those countries and uh, primarily in our Portuguese communities. Uh, we want them to have a voice. We have great lawyers. We have great um, you know, congressional leaders. We have you know, uh, council women. And so these are things that are important that we have to come to the forefront and showcase. Thank you. And Carlos, Dr. Pavão. Uh, actually, my full name in Portuguese is Carlos Alberto Oliveira Pavão. So I think I was named after everybody in the Azorian village that I was born in Cuba, São, São Miguel. Um, <laughs> a little bit about me. Um, I, first of all, I want to thank Palpis for doing this. Um, I would not be here today or having this conversation with you today if I did not have a side conversation with Angela about the importance of health in our community. And what does that really mean? And we're really kind of just piggybacking on some of the stuff folks have said. Different circumstances since March of 2020 has really changed life. And from someone who's been doing health for a long, long time since the mid-1990s, health in our community was never something that was always paramount as a conversational topic. But COVID has really brought us to a place where we need to think about health inequities. We need to think about health data for the Portuguese. I'm more inclusive. And the group that we're trying to start, um, and we're actually beginning phases of it, is called the Loose Phone uh, Health Network which really encompasses a, what Carolina was talking about. We're not only looking at Portuguese, we're looking at Brazilians, we're looking at Cape Verdeans. And why? Because we share cultural language, we also share cultural traits, but we also recognize the differences that we have. But really the important part is in thinking about the health of our communities. A community is as successful as the health of the community. So you think about that, you can have business, you can have all this other stuff, you can have um, that really empower communities, but if the communities are not healthy, then what's 
how do we move forward? But more importantly, we need to ask these deeper questions. And these questions are, you know, what is the diabetes rate for Portuguese Americans? You know, you talked about cancer. You know, is it an issue or is it not an issue? So I've been working quietly since the 1990s. I actually interned when I was a, a, a senior, I think it was a senior. I can't remember anything before COVID, but um, I think it was a senior um, at Brandeis. I was actually um, interning at Spal and Copa before they merged to create MAPS, which is the Massachusetts Alliance of Portuguese Speakers. And my first job was at the Portuguese Youth Cultural Organization in Fall River. That's where I was raised. And I saw how health is facilitated. I saw the struggles, but I also saw how health is really a multidisciplinary factor in getting um, to educate the community. So I really had a varied career. I'm actually now a professor at Georgia State University School of Public Health. I'm um, here, this is my fifth year. Um, and I, for the first time ever, I said, you know what, Carlos, you're not gonna be doing the HIV, the substance abuse, the mental health stuff that you've been doing quietly on your own with other populations. You're gonna focus on your community for the first time. Or I should say communities, because I also focus on Brazilians. And, um, and I think it's important for us to look at health. I, the mentorship part, all this other stuff that's being brought up, the networking part, this is all who we are. Because guess what I was doing last year, quietly? I was working with the University of Minho before there was COVID on looking at developing a pilot project, looking at dementia, the on, early onset of dementia, piloting it there, and then culturally uh, adapting it here for Portuguese Americans. Then COVID hit. You know, working with the University of the Azores on some other stuff. The point is, is this: we need to learn from our kindred, you know, relatives across the pond, but we also need to be innovative here. And we need to culturally adapt it here. A Portuguese American, while we share a lot of cultural traits to, let's say, Portugal or the Azores, I'm just as a foreigner there that I, you know, sometimes that people think I'm a foreigner here because I wasn't born here. So I think we need to recognize that the health of our community is important. Um, I'm trying to think what else. This conversation that we had with Angela was myself and someone else, uh, Lisa Medeiros from the Board of uh, Directors at Palcus. So we're working quietly. We're trying to set up this network. I've had interested calls. Yesterday, I was talking to someone, I think it was yesterday, no, Tuesday morning, uh, talking to someone from South Florida who's Portuguese American, who work, who is a nutritionist. There is an interest here. We just don't have a forum and a platform to share ideas and how to move forward. And we're, what does it really mean to share best practices? Um, I just want to end on a couple of things. Um, one of the concerns that I have is the health of our community is a chaotic tapestry of data. We have data, we don't have data. So the way the Portuguese are sort of classified when it comes to health data doesn't necessarily tell us what the health uh, inequities are here in the US. Uh, I'm actually writing a book now and one of the chapters will be Portuguese Americans. The way we're collecting data, and I'm not trying to get too ahead of, uh, ahead of, the, uh, of what we need to be talking about today is, um, is a problem. Brazilians, there's more data there. Cape Verdeans, guess what? There's like this much. And the question is, how do we move forward? How do we work as communities across, uh, you know, you know, different communities here in the US, but how do we move forward? How do we actually mentor the next generation? I'm lucky enough, this is my second or third career. I'm okay. But the question is, emerging leaders, I had a student, believe it or not, I want to share this, and I'm going to let, let us speak. I had a student who was in a university just south of Atlanta, who's Portuguese American, reach out to me in undergrad because he wanted to write a paper about Portuguese Americans. And I 
talk to him. I said, I'm sorry, but you can only do so much. Mm-hmm. And that's not the conversation we should be having. We should be having, yes, this is what you can do. And this is where the data is. And this is how you need to move forward. Because right there and right then, what you're doing is extinguishing someone's passion and light. And that's wrong. That's wrong. And I can go into more specifics about data. I can go more specifics about health inequities because how we're portrayed in the published literature is indirectly stigmatizing our population. For example, and I wanna end on this. My students always say I talk too much. Um, if we only publish on mental health of Portuguese Americans, what do we do for the Portuguese American population? That's their only health disparity. Is that who we are? Is that who we are? And I think that's a profound question that we need to ask ourselves. How do we diversify our, our research? How do we def- uh, engage our Portuguese communities in re- clinical research? How do we start changing the way we collect data? Angela, I'll be quiet now and I'll turn it over to you now because I can go on because I'm very passionate about this. Yes, I know. Thank you, Carlos. But I think it's all they're all really important questions. Um, and I'm very um hopeful that we will get the Luzo uh, Health Network off the ground and we will start to address some of these uh, disparities. But one th- question I'd like to pose to the panel is, so, you know, as our community is evolving, you know, all, you know, we have built these associations, what role and then how do you see your organizations taking our community into the next 10 years, 20 years, and how are what you're offering different yet complementary to what exists, right? Because I think, you know, we're getting a lot of comments from people like, I want to get involved, but I don't really want to go to the FESHTA. Like I want to get involved, but folklore is not my thing. So if you could talk a little bit about how you feel that your organization um, can, can serve as a platform to continue our community, but just, you know, help it evolve and, and grow. And hopefully, we'll achieve two things by the end of this panel. One, all of you will have new members of your organizations. And secondly, it might spur an idea for someone to say, you know, we need a Portuguese American in communication organization. We need a Portuguese Americans in entertainment organization or something, right? Uh, There's room for all those things. So I'll go back to my initial question and whoever wants to go first can volunteer. Go. I don't Go ahead. Know. Okay, so uh, with uh, Poeya, what we're looking to do and how we're doing this is I, I'm a firm believer that every community, be it Portuguese or the community we live in and have a Portuguese community within it is what we should be working together with. Okay, so we I live in Miami and everybody like when we've had visitors here, everybody says this is the best ambassador you have on Portugal, right? Because I'm passionate, I grew up with, I've been very fortunate to have grown up with one foot in Portugal and one foot in the United States my entire life in study and work, okay? So I get it, but it's also important, I think, for the Portuguese local community to not silo themselves. We have so much to offer, and I think that's where we we need to feed our younger generation who lives in the community and studies and works in the community that, you know, they they were born into, 
some of them. Others were, you know, transferred here, were, you know, brought over from Portugal. And they're learning something that they feel doesn't exist in our, in our Portuguese clubs, okay? And it doesn't. I mean, it's great. I grew up going to festas every weekend, right? But I, in North New Jersey, I mean, the, the kings of that. However, I think um, a big role falls upon not only us and these networks that are represented here today, falls upon the Portuguese government, like FLAD, like other, uh, the diaspora program, to help us, you know, to, to help us in not only funding, but awareness, you know, and I, I think to a certain extent, we're getting that awareness now, thanks to Palcus, thanks to even our embassy and everybody else that's really pushing forth now, and, and the Portuguese uh, American Chamber of Commerce up in New York. But there's so much more to be done. I can tell you through Pauea what we're trying to do is we've had uh, interns, okay, that come from Portugal, highly educated interns. I mean, some of them almost with a doctorate's degree. And you put them in a workforce in the United States and they are a PhD in theory, zero in practice. Okay, zero in common sense and how to how to survive in this work mode. So when we become a remote nation of workers now that we're starting to become, okay, um, I mean I've worked remote most of my life, but when you when you have a larger population in this now, our communities are our strongholds, and the more we can teach people how to engage in that, it also allows us to engage in the local chambers of commerce and become more integrated. So we start growing Portugal organically within the local communities of other organizations. So I think that's super important. And, and, and we it's not knocking how our Portuguese clubs are right now, not even close, okay? I've gone to their dinners and all as much as I can, but I think it's more important on a business aspect that would help ICEP, that would help the, the Chamber of Commerce that would help AOTP and even the, the legal association and any other market. I mean, I think it's super important that we work cohesively on this. Those are my two cents. Oh, can I add two cents to that? <laughs> Absolutely. You said several things that are really important to me also, and it's extremely important to AOTP working together with, that's that's our motto, okay? And uh, our, uh, uh, and I understand the festas and the social clubs, but a professional association has a different goal and has, it has to have a different uh, uh, set of, uh, uh, a plan of action. We work for the profession. So what do the professionals need? And that has to be the motto behind our 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 activities so working with who does the portuguese instructor professor teacher works with works in an environment where there are other languages and it's very easy for us uh, to compare ourselves to spanish and spanish programs and i really think that's a mistake because when Portuguese instructors go to an educational administrator and are trying to put themselves in the same footing as a program in Spanish, they, they, they are not taking it seriously because obviously the amount of Spanish speakers in this country and the need for Spanish language is enormous and we can compare to Portuguese. But who are we alike? We are alike the teachers of Italian, 
of uh, Japanese, of Chinese, of other languages. And we have to, like Carolina said very well, work with them because they have the same problems we do. They have a small population of students. They have very meager <laughs> resources. They don't have much material being produced. I mean, to teach Spanish, we have 30, 40 books published in the United States with new methodologies every year. We have one that was published in 2006 and then was uh, 2004, and then it was uh, republished in 2009, uh, uh, updated, and that's it. That's the last major book that was published in this, in, this, in this country. But together with other teachers, we can develop resources that we can all share. So that's very important. Everything that AOTP does is, I, I really am not <laughs> reinventing the wheel. I, and I invite other organizations to do the same thing. I monitor what the Association of Teachers of German does, what the French Association does, what the Teachers of Korean and Japanese does, what the ESL students, uh, professors do, Italian, Slavic languages, and whatever they're doing, I make sure that we are doing too. So uh, <laughs> uh, some of these associations don't even do the same things that we do because we kind of uh, aggregate the uh, activities that they are doing and then we provide our own and uh, because we are members of the national council for less commonly taught languages that aggregates a lot of these organizations in the council we get to share and i'm telling you this is a very successful strategy because when we first started to use it the national council used out as a model organization for other uh, uh, professional organizations for instructors of languages. And it, it, it invited me to, to, to run for the presidency of the, the council. So it, it was because of this strategy and it's, it's very effective. Um, it, uh, we share a lot of, of their problems, but we do have a couple of things extra that we can maximize. For instance, we unfortunately don't have an AP exam in Portuguese, which would be very helpful for us because that means that our students could get to college with college credits. And the college does not seem open to the idea of starting an AP in Portuguese at all. All right. Well, we do have uh, the Newell that the same college has established as a, 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 an exam for students of Portuguese that can, if they are successful in that exam, they can ask the university to recognize their college credits. We have to promote this. Every, every community school has to promote this. Why? Because I know that we can go to the parents uh, of our kids and say, listen, you need to teach them Portuguese because they uh, need to be able to speak to their grandparents. Or they, you, we know that bilingual students have much higher uh, levels of self-esteem have much higher grades in math, in biology, in chemistry, in physics. They excel more than monolinguals in all aspects of academics. Mm -hmm. They have a much higher uh, um, uh, salaries on average than monolinguals, all that. But if you can also, on top of that, say, uh, in a community school, listen, you need to send your kids here to this little community school to teach them Portuguese because when they go to college, they get college credits, which means a huge savings in tuition that can be used to acquire another uh, skill set 
they can instead of going to college, which is something that pains me a lot, is to see Portuguese heritage kids spending 10, 15, 20 thousand dollars in tuition to learn Portuguese, where they should have learned at home and in the community schools. It's their birthright to have access to their ancestors' language. And we and I always tell parents, what could you do with 10, 15, 20 thousand dollars? Why are you spending this in college when you could spend a couple bucks in a community school, teach them during the critical period, which mm -hmm. is up to 10, 12 years old, when they are absolutely, they become complete bilinguals. Let's take advantage of these things. So if we can all work together with other organizations and maximize then the things that we have been able to do, I think we are providing a good service to our instructors and to our community. I just thank you, Luis. Uh, yeah, go ahead, doctor. Yeah. So, um, no, Carlos. Uh, um, Carlos, okay. uh, there's a lot that's been said, and I mean, you know, when Angela posed a question, I had to kind of reflect about what that really means, about kind of the future and what we are, and so forth. I think for me, I always like to take a step back, and I take a step back to see what does the Portuguese community look like today. When I was versus when I was growing up, I mean, I think my family might have been some of the last waves of immigration coming from the Azores, at least in Fall River, that's what the case is. The, our community, even in Fall River, is changing. Things are changing. So I see that, right? And then I also see this kind of interest, um, even in our school, we got a huge Department of Ed grant and to highlight also Portuguese. And we set up a loser Brazilian network. The problem is with the language part of it, and this is not to, and this is just more of a reflective piece, is I have noticed when I sit at tables, like here we have our meeting, when we used to have our meetings, everything's on Zoom, face to face. Most of the scholars are Brazilian focused and, or they are teaching Portuguese. There's Inez, like she's no longer with us. She left Morehouse, um, I'm sorry, Spelman College. The Portuguese teachers who are teaching are very, very few meaning from Portugal. And so I'm seeing these dynamics about how language is an interpretive lens into the Luso diaspora. And I don't understand that because when I look around the table, sometimes I have to be very loud about the Portuguese piece. And I'll give you an example. We're setting up a Luso Brazilian health disparities course, piloting in next uh, semester. Great, but you know, as opposed to Carlos doing the Brazilian stuff that he typically does, or the Cape Verdean, I'm actually screaming it up and down to make sure that there's a Portuguese focus. So I'm thinking, I'm always trying to be careful about how we look at things, but also the nature of the communities of who we are. And there are more Brazilians coming now. Well, I wouldn't say now, but they were, and we'll see what, how COVID plays out. But what does that mean? The same thing with Cape Verdeans. They're in the same boat that we're in. Their immigration patterns have literally crawled. So what does that really mean for the nature, for the future? I love the mentoring. I love the networking. I love that, all that stuff. But I think we need to take a step back to really say who we are. Like when I talked, like I'll give you an example, spoke to a nutritionist this Tuesday morning. Her mother's Azorian, grew up in Dade County in Florida. And her lens into the world of how she identifies is very different from me. Very different. And I don't want to get to this place of gradation of like, well, I'm more Portuguese than you are, or I'm more distant than you are. I'm very, very careful and I don't want to use language. And I think language is important and it's a unifier, but I'm always taking a step back because I don't want to make a second or third or fourth generation lose a person 
not think not to be, I guess, as Portuguese, whatever you want to call it, as let's say I am. Um, so I'm, I'm always a little bit concerned. I agree that language should be taught and needs to be taught, but I don't want to use it as a metric because I don't, I don't know, I don't know what metric to use. You know, because this way, I'll just end with that. I think it's important that we need to sometimes take a step back and ask who we are as a community. Because I'm also gay, and guess what? I identify, I'm, I'm really into different sections. I can step into the gay community and Portuguese never comes up. And by the way, I've come across many Portuguese Americans who consider their ethnic identity as minor to nothing because they get rejected. Yeah. So I think these things are important that we need to look at different lenses. I'm done, I'm done, Angela. That's okay. Rodrigo or Jason, would you like yeah, to add no. anything? Yeah, I'd like to just piggyback off of Carlos. Um, you know, with, with the change, times are changing, and I, I totally agree with that. And that's part of, you know, we have this organization that we started, Portuguese American Bar Association, a, a group of us who are from different parts of the country and from Portugal. Um, and I've heard, you know, in the recruiting efforts, it's come back to me that that some folks were reticent. These are these are attorneys in, in my profession, and they're reticent of joining because there already was a, you know, a bar association, affinity bar association, Portuguese bar association locally. And so, and that is true. And I'm involved with both of them. I don't see them as competitors. We, we have, um, you know, a different, a different reach with, with a, a Portuguese American bar association and one that actually brings in Portuguese attorneys as well. And we also have different demographics of Portuguese immigrants in this country. You have where Carlos is from, is, is, and I lived in Massachusetts for 10 years, a much older Portuguese population generations ago. I mean, they were Portuguese were in Massachusetts and to some extent Eastern Connecticut since the whaling days. And then you have, you know, in, in the area that I'm in that the latest generation came in through the 70s and the 80s. And then you have areas where maybe that's even a little bit newer or, or more modern or, or waves that have that have just ended more recently. And so we have, we're, we're touching on and bringing in members from the first generation, like myself, my wife, who, who was born in Portugal and studied. And, uh, and we, have, we have members who are already in the third, I think third generation um, as being here and maybe don't have that uh, exposure to the language. So, so it's, it's definitely bridging, bridging though. And we have, of course, Portuguese who are in Portugal and practicing attorneys in Portugal. So we're bridging that. We're, we're not only a referral source. So, so a lot of the, again, a lot of the reticence comes up um, for why not to, to be involved with, with our larger, uh, more widespread HAVA ha has, has come from that I've, I've understood of, of people being reticent that they won't receive referral sources, which is to say, to say that if I'm an attorney and I practice in let's let's just let's just call it contracts, but a client comes to me and, and needs help with a will, and I don't practice in that in that area, I would refer that client to another uh, ostensibly Portuguese attorney that that practices in that area. Well, also the legal practice isn't like healthcare, um, although healthcare you have to be licensed, but it's very rigid with with the legal practice in our country. You have to be licensed in the state that you're going to provide that 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 practice in, and, and if you're licensed in the United States, 
that doesn't necessarily transfer over to Portugal, though there is a, a project that, that's going to help that um, be realized at some point uh, with, with the Portuguese government. But in any event, what I'm what I'm saying is that there are there's there's not we are we are going to and we're we're looking to help with referrals in, in PABA, but we're not going to be as effective as as a just a, a state organization would be for providing these referral resources. We we are I think focusing on the community, creating a larger community of Portuguese Americans. There are some Portuguese, we have members who are in Kansas who, who don't have a community nearby. And, and then providing those mentorship opportunities. The legal profession is a good profession to, to get into, um, but you have to see yourself, you know, a lot of us have to see ourselves in it before we can, can be in it. And, uh, and, and I think that that's what we're standing for at PABA is, is that mentorship and that camaraderie and community and providing you know, educational opportunities because it does come up that that there are differences among the states and it's always helpful to know that it's always helpful to know what are the what are the legal topics of interest in portugal um what are the pathways to to hire to to government office where the pathways to to using your your legal degree in, in different ways because many people are are legally trained but they may be in different professions they may not be attorneys they may they may be in government but not an attorney role, or they they may go on to diplomacy. So we're we're trying to provide that, and and I think that you know going back to my days being involved, in, and I, I still am involved with the local Portuguese cultural center. Um, you know that's changing as well. The Portuguese cultural centers here locally, and I and I understand in other areas are changing as well as as a population changes, and they're going to have to you know adapt to that also. Um, so it's, you know, the festas are, are integral, but, um, you know, as the population changes, that, that, that's something certainly we're going to have to keep up, but that's probably going to change at some point as well. So, so we're providing a common thread for Portuguese professionals. And, and I think we do, you know, all of our organizations have a role uh, in, in the Portuguese community between, and the Lusophonic community, I should say, the Lusophonic community in general. Um, so thanks, that, that was just my quick thought, sorry. So um, Angela, just to share my thoughts on, on very interesting things that my fellow panelists have, have been saying. Um, and I think just to say that contrarily to, I think the majority of my fellow panelists, um, I, I grew up in Portugal. I, 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 didn't, I, didn't, I was not born in the US and I, I didn't grow in the US. I studied in Portugal. I started my, my career in Portugal and, and then, um, in my 30s, I, I went abroad to work and, and I worked in different countries, um, mostly in Europe. And, and what I must say, a couple of things. One, I think one commonly accepted quality of the Portuguese people in general is their ability to adapt, um, to be flexible, to adapt and to blend in the local communities, which I think it's a terrific feature. Um, but on the other hand, uh, sometimes that comes at the expense of creating Portuguese groups and Portuguese associations. This is not the reality here in the US and especially frankly through Palcos and other organizations, I came to, to come across this wonderful Portuguese communities that, that you all part of. And, and, and that's absolutely terrific to watch because that's not that doesn't happen everywhere. Um, 
now piggybacking off what was said a couple of times here, namely by Louise, which is the festas are great, but how can we, you know, add on to that? Uh, what I would say uh, from the business standpoint now, from the corporate and business uh, standpoint, what I would say needs to change a little bit. And, and at the chamber, we highly try to promote that. And, and frankly, I, I'm in the process of creating a small business and I'm trying to do that is as much as possible in equal conditions, if I can choose a Portuguese in the US, if I can choose a Portuguese accounting firm versus someone else, I'll try to go for the Portuguese one. Uh, I feel more comfortable, I feel better. Uh, of course, they need to be at the same level of services. Sometimes that doesn't work. All I'm saying is that in many circumstances that I've lived abroad, I have seen that Portuguese people are generally not great at doing that. Other people are better at doing that. And, and again, I think that might be a consequence of the, the quality that I've mentioned of blending in and being flexible, et cetera. That might, one of the side effects I suspect might be that we're, we're not great in truly cooperating. Yes, we meet in festas and we, we watch soccer games, but sometimes we lack a little bit that mindset of let's do an additional step to, to strengthen our community. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> network and in equal terms I would prefer to go to a Portuguese lawyer than than to a Spanish lawyer I see for example the Spanish people are much better at that um, than us frankly but also I've seen that comes at an expense that they are not so embedded in the local communities as Portuguese people are mm -hmm. and, you know I love Spanish people this, this is not a criticism just highlighting the differences that I've seen and what I think uh, for all these uh, organ professional organizations that are being created and, and the ones that already exist, I think, and, and for business in general, I think the, this little change in mindset of let's not just gather to watch soccer and, 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 and eat Portuguese food, let's just really try to help each other in any, any possible ways. And, and in businesses, go Portuguese whenever you can. Yeah, it's a great point that you bring up, Rodrigo. And unfortunately, we're running out of time, but I just wanted to <clears throat> say, you know, another community that's similar to ours in, in size and uh, dispersion across the country is the Armenian community. Mm -hmm. And yet Armenians, their lawyer, their accountant, their baker, they're all Armenian. They very much support their own community. The Jewish community is, this, is the same way, right? Of course, the, there's, and the Greeks also, right? And so why can't the Portuguese also be that way? And it's, and it's it's very simple things too, right? Like when I go to San Jose, I can easily go to Starbucks to get a coffee, but I choose to drive an extra few minutes and go to the local Portuguese cafe, right? Because I can't get a Pristalnata at Starbucks, right? So uh, maybe someday I will be able to, but also it's, you know, I know that um, I'm supporting a Portuguese business because when that business goes away, all of us are going to say what? Oh, isn't it a bummer that they're not there anymore? Yeah, well, how often did you go there? Yeah. How often did you have dinner there? How often did you buy products from there? So it's, it's yes, it's nice to see them and have them, but you actually have to, to do your part to keep it there, right? So um, I also just want to, I'll, I'll give an ex example, um, but before I do that, I want to ask each of you to be thinking about, you know, to end our, our discussion today, what is one action item that you would like our listeners and our viewers to take from this panel discussion and it's something that they could do immediately or it's something they could think about and you know do long term so think about that but I just wanted to give the example of you know we've talked about how yes the festivals are nice and but we also need this and for those folks who are listening that are involved in the festivals if you're taking sort of offense to that comment just think about it this way if you ate beef your whole life 
the beef is really good and there's lots of different ways to cook it. And all of a sudden someone introduced chicken to you. Chicken's good too. doesn't mean you're never going to have beef again. It means that you can have both. And then someone came along and introduced pork to you and fish and all these wonderful things, tofu, right? doesn't mean that you're never going to have beef again. It doesn't mean that it's worse or better or anything. Now we have a plethora of things to choose from and people can pick and choose and, and enjoy things when they want, right? So there's room for all of it. It doesn't mean that one has to replace the other. So I think that's a, a you know, food example because we're all, you know, our lives centered around food being Portuguese, right? So, you know, the festas will continue. The sport clubs will continue. And we can have these professional associations that help to further the careers of the younger, younger generations, provide mentorship, um, make sure that there's the health data that we need and, and any other aspect of the community. So just really trying to get people to open their minds and, and embrace the whole picture rather than being so, you know, it, it's been this way for a hundred years, we have to keep it like this, right? So, um, all right, so we just have a few minutes left. So we're gonna go around the table and your one action item uh, for our viewers. So we'll start with Carolina. Uh, Portugal has uh, been on the forefront for the past seven years. We should use it to our advantage, market our businesses with the local communities of the community you live in. And also I can't, um, can't go without saying, gentlemen on this call, give your daughters or your wives the opportunity to be members of Pawea. We need everyone. And I think we have very low membership rates, and I think you will not be disappointed. Um, those that are teaching, please put our word out there. Would love to do a program for your group. So just let us know, but work and capitalize on the popularity of Portugal right now. As Honorary Council of Portugal, I get daily calls on how can we do a D7 visa to go live in Portugal. These are Americans, okay? so. It's our job to get the word out in our local communities. Thank you. And it's been a pleasure being on here with all of you. So thank you very much. Carlos. I think for me, it's, um, and I'm reflecting what was said is, I, I, there is conversations I've had with many academics about the lack of Portuguese in higher ed going to college. And I think that's a piece and I wish we had more time to discuss and that's separate in the part. But I think what I worry from a health perspective is the interpretive lens about what is Portuguese or not Portuguese and not just look it through a Brazilian lens and, and super plant that on us. And that's what I struggle with because they just assume language, they mis just assume a lot of different things. While there are similarities, I think the action step moving forward is just be really loud and be like what I'm trying to do is just create a footprint when there is no footprint at times and find those who are like-minded. I want folks to join. I want to thank Palkis. This is amazing. I really think we just should be doing this a lot more often in, with specific topics. But Angela, you know, I'm not going to suggest anything. I'm not like that. I'm, you know, I'll, I'll leave my Portuguese at home. Go ahead. <laughs> Louise. Well, uh, this was interesting. Um, when it comes to ethnic identity, ethnic identity is very complex. It has many aspects, many articulations, and there is not one articulation that defines the whole ever. So you can be Catholic and be Portuguese, and you can be not Catholic and be Portuguese. You can speak Portuguese and be Portuguese. You cannot speak Portuguese 
and be Portuguese. You can be white or not white and be Portuguese. You can be straight or not. It does, it, there's not one articulation that makes us Portuguese. It's a combination of lots yeah. of things. Um, so I agree with Carlos, Portuguese language should not be the metrics of the belonging, because first of all, we, who are we to tell other people if they belong or not? They are the ones who tell us. And, uh, and, uh, but language is more than one articulation. And one aspect of identification is the skill set. And that's what I want to uh, focus on. Not that is a, a way to belonging, but it's a skill set that we should be giving our students because we need, in our kids in particular, because we need to prepare them to the global market. And that global market includes almost 3 million speakers, includes the fourth most used language on the internet. This is opportunity. There is opportunity here for the kids that speak Portuguese. So guess what? <laughs> if we don't teach Portuguese to our kids, they don't have access to these opportunities. And you know who does? The Americans that are in our classes, and I love them, they should be coming. They should continue to come to our classes. But uh, they are the ones who are trying to be bilingual and they're going to occupy these positions that are key in the relationship between the United States and all the Portuguese communities around the world and in the United States. Those positions should naturally be occupied by our kids who are, should be bilingual if possible from birth. So I'm just, I'm not saying that the Portuguese language Did we lose Luis? And negotiate between two worlds. The, the kids that can negotiate between these two worlds, the English speaking world, the Spanish speaking world, and the Portuguese speaking world, if they can put themselves in that space, they, they I think that's where, where we should focus on. So for the Portuguese instructors out there, join us we need to know what you need and for we need to hear you you need to be part of the organization uh for the parents out there get your kids in school get them this uh skill set so that they have so that you can put them in a position of success in the future and carolina my girl is eight, eight years old she will definitely join when she's older thank you I just want to add one thing to Louise, your, your message to parents. So my, our daughter is eight as well, and she takes um, Zoom lessons, Portuguese, twice a week. And every now and then she asks, do I, have, do I have to take it? And I said, honey, you're taking Portuguese until you're 18. So suck it up and just do it. So, you know, I know sometimes parents will be like, oh, she doesn't like it. And, you know, they complain. Too bad. You're gonna take it. So yeah. that's that's my take on it. I know. Eventually, later too. on, yeah, later on in life, they come back to us and say thank you. And that's absolutely, what for. absolutely. And that what a what a sweet thank you that will be <laughs> at the time. All right, uh, Rodrigo. Uh, first of all, I I want I want the context for that those Portuguese Zoom lessons. My daughter is turning six. She speaks some, but definitely needs for sure. Uh, what I would like um, to leave the panel, and, and this was very interesting and I feel very honored to share the panel with everyone. Um, I moved to the US uh, 10 years ago, and at the time I would get, and I'm sure all of you got this email 
this this type of email several times. I got that typical email. My boss is going to to Lisbon, or my cousin is going to Lisbon. Can you please send me some recommendations? I would get that email maybe once or twice a month, and by February of 2020, so before COVID, I would get that four times a week. And 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 at the chamber, we have been looking at data. Uh, that clearly shows, and this is no news to anyone, that the, the, the massive influx and the max, the, the surge of U.S. tourists into into Portugal, and 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 that and that, of course, was stopped by the pandemic, but was in a very uh, impressive trajectory. And what I mean is, uh, I think that's a tremendous opportunity, not only for Portuguese companies, uh, but also for Portuguese entrepreneurs that are living in the United States and that potentially can create businesses around. Uh, Portugal and and, and 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 so what I want to say is that uh, that's a tremendous opportunity, um, and and if you want to do so, the Chamber of Commerce can help you um, uh, to achieve those goals, and uh, and and that's it. Thank you very much for 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 the time, and thank you for Parkus for organizing. Thank you, and Jason. Thanks, Angela. Um, and before I forget, uh, thank you, Angela. Thank you, Palkus. Thank you, fellow uh, speakers, again, for making this uh, happen. This is a wonderful conversation. I hope that we continue it um, in, in future discussions and then offline as well. Uh, I wanted to just uh, comment, maybe respond to Rodrigo, uh, not the comments just now, but previous comments made about um, Portuguese assimilating and different in different areas that they move into and emigrate into, and I, I think I, I think I have because I've reflected on this a lot. Uh, we are not very good self promoters. I'm not a very good self promoter. Um, I, it may come from humility, humility, humility maybe may play a factor. I don't know if it's a generally accepted Portuguese trait to be humble. Um, it, it, you know, varies. Everybody varies with their humility, but I think that there is some cultural humility to, to anyone is assimilating into another uh, culture. And, I, and we do do that well. Um, you know, my family before Portugal was in Angola, left Angola back to Portugal, to Navos, and then back to the, the United States. And my mother is back living in Portugal. So we do move around um, and we are outsiders. And, and I think that um, we have to do a better job of promoting and self-promoting and promoting our culture. I, I try to, everybody who knows me at work knows I'm Portuguese. Um, if they will quickly learn that it's not Spanish that we speak, they'll quickly learn the differences between you know, the continent and the islands and, and all of that. Um, but I think if we collectively work together, um, we'll be able to advance uh, this generation and the generations to come uh, to recognize their heritage. I think the language is super important. I I'm going to ask for those Zoom lessons as well, Angela, for, especially for my <laughs> daughter, who's six years old and um, and going to be turning seven soon. And, and she, you know, she she's going to benefit from that. She she gets from from her parents, but but I think she she needs to get uh, proper lessons, and, and that might be the way to deliver it. But phones are ringing in in my yeah. office. I'm going to um, take that as yep. a, as a cue to end this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there. So I appreciate you having me and, and, and thanks again. Uh, and also, if you if you know anyone who's who's an attorney or interested or interested in becoming an attorney, 
uh, have them uh, reach out to me uh, about possibly joining uh, PABO or just knowing more about what it's about. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. Well, I'll I'll give a quick plug as, for as, our. I, I yeah, know, go ahead. I know you will miss that, and but I, can I say something? Because this is sure. a, a, a little project of mine that I, I I'm going to repeat this until I die. Jason just said something that is so important to me: this concept of uh, being humble. And in Portuguese culture, uh, we really, really, really dislike hubris. So we pass on to our kids this: you have to be humble all the time. And in education in particular, but I'm assuming that this affects all of you in your, in, your, uh, in your professional lives, we tend to minimize the good things we do. And the American educational administrator does not understand that. So I see professors and, uh, and teachers doing wonderful work. And I see administrators going up to them and saying, you did, this is a great event. What a great work you did. And they answer with, oh, I was just doing my job. And we diminish what we do. And we uh, don't take the opportunity to connect to other more important things. And the American administrator does not understand that. What we need to start doing is, thank you. I actually have another project I wanted to talk to you about if you have the funding. And just connect our success to other success and not diminish what we do because we do great work. And I'm sure in all these associations, you have members that do great work. And then when they talk to their bosses, they diminish and they try to be humble like we are in our community, but out there does not work, particularly at least in my experience with educational administrators. So just be proud and, and say thank you, instead of saying, I was just doing my job. Point, point well, well made, Luis. Um, so we've had multiple people ask for the Zoom. I'm going to give a plug to our teacher. Her name is Sandra Lee Carapinha. She's on Facebook, and she actually has a YouTube channel called Learn European Portuguese, I believe. She's based in Los Angeles. She's fantastic. Um, and uh, I don't know that she has a lot of children as uh, students, but she was willing to take a, a, a chance and teach Aurelia. And then we've been working with her for over a year, and it's going really well. So thank you, Sandra. Hope you get some business from this. Uh, I'll also do a plug for Palka. So, you know, if you found this panel discussion valuable and it's getting you thinking and you like some of the things that we're doing, again, as I mentioned in the beginning, please consider becoming a member. It's very affordable, but it actually helps us much more than you will ever realize. Um, so you can just join very easily at our website, www.palkus.org. And with that, we're going to wrap. Thank you so much for such a wonderful conversation. I have a feeling that we're going to be continuing this conversation in another panel discussion in a few months. Um, Carlos, looking forward to uh, getting the Luzo Health Network off the ground. And, um, and uh, everybody, uh, thank you so much and wish you the best of luck. We look forward to continued collaboration with all of your organizations. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Bye. Have a wonderful rest of your day. All righty. Bye-bye. Guys. Bye.